I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. Bangles here. Put it reverse, Tear. Put it reverse. Oh Lord! Lord Jesus! Oh Lord! And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host contributor at Mavs.com. The Media Week Wonder, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? It is Media Week, and if you listen to this on a Tuesday, then this is day one of, quote, training camp, whatever we want to call it, because it's more individual workouts and certain number of of people, players, coaches in the gym uh, at the same time. Uh, group workouts start next week, but today's the first day. And uh, if you're a big NBA fan, you're probably going to see quotes uh, across NBA Twitter, across the NBA world today, because a lot of people are going to be talking to the media. And um, I know before, if you've been following the Mavericks and you've been following this podcast for the past 910 episodes, uh, <laughs> we, you know, our pods right after media day uh, are a lot of fun because they have a lot of different audio, a lot of different people uh, talking to a lot of people at media day and all that. Well, now it's going to be spread out. So it's the, that's why we, we've been saying media week. And so tomorrow we should be talking to Luca and Josh Richardson uh, along with Rick Carlisle. And I'm sure on Wednesday's pod, you'll hear some of that audio. Absolutely. So Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all that stuff. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll be here all week and until the Mavericks stop putting out stuff, right? Until the Mavs, you know, stop doing, you know, media day interviews and stuff like that. Like Isaac said, on a Tuesday today, Luca and Josh Richardson are supposed to be talking to the media along with Rick Carlisle. And so we will have audio of all of that after it happens available for you the next morning when you drive to wherever you go or you get up or whatever you do. So... Stick with us for the rest of the week. We will be covering all that. On today's show, though, we'll be talking about Tyrell Terry and Josh Richardson, two guys that I think we're really interested in to see what their roles are. Uh, Isaac did an awesome piece with Tyrell Terry about um, just his draft process and all that, so we're going to be breaking down that story. And then Josh Richardson, I wanted to talk about him a little bit more because I got into David Ramil's great story on him. We talked to him last weekend, or this like this last week, about Josh Richardson and his time in Miami and all that stuff. There's a couple quotes from there I want to talk about, and then we'll talk about Josh Richardson's role as well. So I want to get into those two guys. But before we do that, Isaac Harris, hmm. the biggest news of the day. What we know it? that Boban and Luca are in state, right? They made it. They flew here together. That was great. We saw yeah, quarantine should be over by now. Their quarantine should be over. We saw that uh, Luca was enjoying some Fortnite still. Do you, you play Fortnite ever? No, no, never. I haven't played I mean, I'd say forever. Yeah, not in like a year. <laughs> I know, not <laughs> forever. But Luca was still enjoying some Fortnite, and uh, New Holger was was videoing their dogs wrestling underneath his chair. Which is, if you have two dogs, that's like your life. <laughs> your two dogs wrestling. That's but awesome. that was pretty fun. But we got new info. Luca has a tennis partner, and it is mm. not a coach, not a coach, not a coach, but player JJ Barea. Yeah. I mean, JJ means a lot to this team. So, uh, and uh, he's he's close with Luca and and Boban and everything. And 
I will stand for JJ Barrett all day, every day. Don't get me. I'll, I'll go on another rant about this because for some reason, man, some and of y'all want to die on this hill, and that's a weird, that's a weird hill to die on if you don't want JJ on this hill, but uh, or on this team. But you know what? You don't want him on the hill, on the team. You don't want him on the you court do, or the bench. You do you, you guys? If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just not in a box, not with the fox, not in street clothes. <laughs> For some reason, yeah, it's like this team loves him. Our superstars love him. This organization loves him and everything. And uh, he's coming back. And there's a portion of the fan base is like, hey, we don't want him in our 15th spot. <laughs> it's like, all right, come on. All right, we're done with that. We're done with the JJ Bray talk. He's, Are we sure? Because he's going to be on the team unless them signing 16 players is literally just a ploy to say, all right, we're going to try our hardest to talk JJ out of playing this year and make him a coach. So all training camp, that's going to be their focus is to make coaching seem like such a great thing. I also did hear one good theory today from a, from a listener that I want to mention about JJ Barea. Uh, somebody mentioned, I, I don't have the mention pulled up, but they said that, that JJ Barea only got signed to that guaranteed deal so that they can convert him and they can waive him and convert him to become a coach so that he can get that $2.6 million. And then, Hey, I could see that. Hey, I mean, I've never once said that he's 100% going to be on the team. I'm just in love with the fact that he is in, he's signed, he's in camp and he's in that locker room. And I know there's a lot of other people that with the team in that organization that love that he's back. So, Hey, get your money and be, be the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA. If that's what, if that's your goal. Hey, if that, that's what he wants. I'm all for it. All right. Uh, other kind of newsy things. We know numbers for all the new players now. I thought that was kind of interesting. Josh Richardson's going to be wearing number zero, Tyrell Terry, number one, Tyler Bay, number two, Josh Green, number eight, and James Johnson, number 16 again. We almost have zero through 10. Uh, we're almost there. We're missing like a three and a four, and I think, uh, I think a 10 too, but yeah. Yeah, Well, the number thing, uh, you know, Terry told me he was going to wear one because it hasn't been officially announced because, he hasn't officially signed yet. That's going to be happening soon. Um, but yeah, when a part of my story that I really, I actually end up putting it at the very, very end of my story, but I'd asked him uh, about the 31 pick and Jason Terry. And I was like, is that even like in your mind? And he's like, yeah, I thought about actually picking 31, but you know, for that, he said, like, but I switched it up and I decided to go with one. And I was like, oh, sweet. Cool. So let's get into your piece about, Tyrell Terry. So you got to talk to him for this piece from Mavs.com. It's on Isaac's Twitter. Go to at Isaac L. Harris. You can also follow the podcast at Lockdown Mavs and follow me at Nick Van Exit. So just in talking with Tyrell Terry, what were your overall impressions of him? Just talking to him and, and seeing what, you know, how excited he was to come to Dallas. Oh man, he is such a cool dude. And I guess we, we talked, we talked, um, I want to say last week sometime on the phone and, uh, we set, uh, yeah, for a good, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes and just talked about life and just, uh, what his life has uh, looked like, uh, post draft and, you know, just getting COVID tested and when he was traveling to Dallas and just all those plans and just his excitement. And, um, man, I, I want you all to read that piece because I had a lot of fun writing it. I talked to uh, one of his uh, assistant coaches at Stanford and got a few things from, from Cuban and Donnie and, um, I think one of the cool one, he's obviously super, super smart. And I, one of my favorite flexes that he made was, <laughs> hey, because I asked him because I heard that rumor that he broke an IQ test. And I was like, all right, I got to ask you about this. And he was like, yeah, I did. And um, 
you know, it wasn't really that hard. And I was like, okay, let's go. And uh, so, but I love that. But so I, wait, we have to explain this though. If people don't okay. know it. So this was an, like an aptitude kind of test, like an NBA knowledge type test for, you know, for prospects that they're all taking. So I guess it's like the Wonderlick test, right? In the NFL, yeah. if you're a quarterback and you take like the Wonderlick test, it's like all these, you know, football type scenarios and things like that. So, but for the, for basketball, he took one of those and apparently he didn't think it was that hard, but he broke the, uh, he got a perfect score or something on it and he didn't think it was that hard. Yeah. So I, I, Major thought, that flex. Was, <laughs> I thought it was super cool. Cause I'm like, dang, I'm not that smart at all. And it's, it's cool for him, but um, you know, academics meant a lot to him growing up in Minneapolis and um, just, you know, and him going to Stanford and stuff. But I thought one of the big takeaways was, you know, we reached a point in the conversation that one of my questions to him was, and one of his assistant coaches was, you know, what, at what point did you know you're an NBA player? And I love asking that question because, you know, for some people it's like, oh man, I knew early on in high school or I, it was a moment in college stuff. And he started going down this route and it brought up some other like follow-up questions from me because then I'm like, all right, well, I got to derail a little bit from my questions because I want more out of this because he really like fell into, and that's why I named the, the story flipping, you know, how he flipped the narrative and landed in Dallas because he fell into the narrative that he was too small and too skinny. And he told me all about how, you know, he was super athletic growing up and he did all these sports and uh, snowboarded and, and everything, but he was always skinny and very, very small. And he said, I heard all of it. I saw all the negative comments and not, I mean, we're not talking about just him in high school. We're talking about, he was explaining to me, even in the pre-draft process that he had teams telling him like, go back. Why are you even going, coming into the draft? And, you know, he would see, he's even said, I mean, I, I quote him in the story. He's like that. I saw all the negative comments on the internet about just how, like, why am I even coming out? And I'm so, and he's like, they, it wasn't until he got into, he had this moment in college, but he's, he's flipping his own narrative. He's writing his own narrative that he had this big moment in college of this Kansas city, uh, this hall of fame classic. And he had some big games, this national stage and all this stuff. And it's something that he clearly, he acknowledged that he kind of fell into that, but now he's flipping it. And he's like, I use it as fuel. And he's like, this is what pushes me and everything. And the dude's gained, I think like 20 pounds. I think he's up to like 175, something like that. Kevin O'Connor said, you know, when he talked to him, uh, it's like a 4,000 calorie diet a day for him. He's got to uh, be up more since then though. That, that Kevin O'Connor story yeah. was a while ago. I mean, he's probably still doing that same thing. He's, he's low key, a little bit more athletic than what some people Do you think he's like 230 too. now over <laughs> under? <laughs> probably, probably take the under, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, man, I really enjoyed uh, writing this piece. The, the kid is absolutely just a, a stud. You understand. I mean, he's right there with the Dwight Powell's of the world, Harrison Barnes. Just, um, yeah, man, he's awesome. It was also weird because he was just, he was so polite and saying, yes, sir, no, sir. And I'm like, <laughs> dang, like, I really, really feel old now. And I texted Nick <laughs> afterwards and I was like, this is this is wild that you know we're like ten years removed from uh, these guys coming in the league. But if we have more time on this pod, I can share some stuff that didn't make the story and uh, some small antidotes that uh, y'all might like. Coming up after the break. <laughs> coming up, I was gonna talk more about Tyrell Terry, and I want to talk about how flipping your own narrative, even for you as a person, I think is so important. And so I think that this story speaks to something bigger than basketball. We'll talk about that coming up. 
But before we do, Isaac Harris, Built Go is the new product from Built Bar. I hope you guys took advantage of those Cyber Monday deals from Built Bar. They still have some good stuff going on there. Go check out BuiltBar.com. But you can get Built Go's now. They are awesome. I had one the other day when my wife and I went to Disney World. And uh, you just need that little extra kick, you know? And, and, like, you get through the lull of the day and you're like, ugh. I've just been having so much fun all day, and I need this extra to get me to get me through the rest of it. Uh, but I I enjoy them. They're in these little 1.5 ounce packages, and they're like peanut butter consistency. But they combine the energy gel with the collagen protein, so you get that caffeine plus the protein, so it keeps you going. You don't get that crash feeling. They're like a five-hour energy, but also with the protein as well. They come in three delicious flavors: the chocolate mint chocolate coconut, and the peanut butter honey. Go get them at BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. BuiltGo, let's go. All right, Isaac, let's keep talking about Tyrell Terry because there's a couple things that really stuck out to me in this in this piece. You mentioned the NBA IQ test. That was the the, the big one that stuck out to me. What a flex just to, for him to say. Like I didn't this is the quote. I didn't really find it that particularly difficult. I just locked into the test and did what was asked, and apparently the results broke the record for it. So, the record, I mean, of all the players that have taken the test, we don't know how many have taken it, but that was interesting. Um, and then your part about him, you know, trying to get past all the comments about him. This was this is the quote in the article. It was a hard thing to get past mentally for Terry, even after he declared for the NBA, as he took notice to all the negative Internet feedback and even feedback from NBA teams suggesting he should go back to school. Quote, all the comments on the Internet was, quote, why is he even declaring or, quote, he should go back to school? Terry explained. I'm hearing from teams that I should go back to school even in my interviews. Just so much negativity about around why I even declared for the draft. I think that is is so interesting that he was receiving that and that he was hearing even from NBA teams, why is he even in the draft, right? To just like what a, what an incredible example of doubters and haters or whatever you want to call yeah. them of of you know people saying that, you know, oh you shouldn't do this, you can't do this. And all it takes is one team. All it takes is one team to believe and and you and to draft you and that's what happened he got drafted by the Mavericks you know he's the first pick in the second round and that's you know it's an incredible story to to see you know him fall into that and really doubt himself and then to have somebody believe and I think that that goes for everybody in all walks of life right sometimes it just takes one person or one thing to like believe in you or someone around there that goes for if anybody's out there looking for a job you and I have both looked for jobs I mean we have been in situations where we're like all right I don't know what's going to happen. We need jobs. You know, we need to, to figure out something here. And so we're doing resume after resume and we're doing application after application. I know a bunch of you are probably in that situation right now. And all it takes is one, right? All it takes is one yeah. b- to believe in you. And if you're on the flip side of that, all it takes is for you to believe in one person because that could literally change their life, right? You could be the difference between somebody going down a path of, I don't mean anything. I don't matter. All that kind of stuff to, you know, I'm a person that has value because this one person believes in me out there. And my wife and I were talking about this. We were watching, we were watching that show, the undoing. I know you and I, you, you and your wife were watching that too, that HBO show. And I'm not going to try to spoil it, but basically it starts out where this, uh, this husband and wife, this husband has an affair and then he's, he's like, accused of murdering the the woman he was having an affair with and it just it, it's the undoing right so it's this un, the undoing of this guy and this family and all this stuff and you realize all this stuff about this this person well you need somebody to sit there and believe in you or you're gonna start unraveling and all you know and, and go down a, start going down a path where you're like 
okay, I can either get away with these things. I can say this. I can do this. I can think this about myself. You need somebody in your life to be a sounding board for you to talk about, to talk back and forth about stuff. My wife is that person for me. Isaac is that person in my life. So to find somebody like that, I think is so important in your life because all of a sudden, if you don't, you can get stuck in your head. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, beating a woman to death. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's what happened in the show but the next thing the next thing you know it, it's a, it's a metaphor but the next thing you know you could be you know beating stuff down for something that you it, that doesn't need to happen right get some perspective yeah. about things in your life so that's my soapbox about you know this whole thing with tyro terry and hearing all this negativity because you can hear it even if it's on the especially if it's on the internet right i we see yeah. it you and i see a bunch of stuff all the time we we make a take or we make a mistake online and someone's like why do you even do this blah 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 you know and starts yes. getting in your head but then i talk to you i talk to my wife and they're like no you're talented you're you know you're a good person you work you work hard you you've earned this you know all that kind of stuff and those comments yep. can mean so much to a person and so whether you're on either side of this if you're a person that has the capacity to believe in someone else, do it. If you're a person that, you know, needs to be believed in, see if you can find somebody or maybe find somebody that does believe in you that you haven't been listening to and go and listen to that person because it could be a a big difference in your life. Well, dang, I don't even know what to say after all that. (laughs) This is a big thing. This is a big thing for me, for me in my life. I think that this is so important to, you know, to have somebody to support you and to, you know, because when he's listening to those internet comments, I mean, who does he turn to? Who does he turn to, and how did he change? I'm sure there's a story behind that that yeah. he either didn't have time for in the piece, or he wasn't even willing to share, which is fine. But everybody has that story. Yeah, and you know, even looking at what happened uh, to him on draft night, you know, he thought he was going to be a first round pick, and you know, the whole story um, with that, you know, he he told me he's like, you know, I, I knew Dallas liked me, I you know, I had a couple interviews with Dallas. Dallas had him, you know, take a personality test and some things. He's like, but I thought there were three or four other teams that you know I were higher on. I was higher on their boards. I thought it was a better chance I would land with some of these other teams. But he admitted he's like. I don't know if it would have been the best fit for me on those teams <laughs> compared to because he he really firmly believes this is the best fit for him coming out of the draft in Dallas. It's a good thing to say right of, now. Uh, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> playing off of Luca and all of that. And uh um yeah, so and yeah, I go and read all the draft night stuff. I thought it was fun. Uh, just how he found out he was going to Dallas. Uh, a certain player texted him right after he was drafted, uh, aka Luca, and uh, you can see what Luca texted him, and that that was really cool uh, moment for him. But um, a few don't don't end on that because I think that's such a big thing from this piece too that we've been waiting on. Remember, you and I talked about that as soon as you talked to him. We talked about this yeah. point. We're like, let's wait till the piece comes out to talk about this. Luka Doncic was the first player to reach out to him. That yeah. is that is massive, I think. That is such huge. A, a huge thing because, you know, here we go. I'm about to monologue. I'm monologuing again. Where's Syndrome <laughs> so he can tell me, you caught me monologuing. The Dallas Mavericks need a leader. And I think Luka is stepping up to become that leader. We saw it in the bubble yeah. where he's the guy that's rallying everyone around. They need a guy that takes this franchise and puts them on his back and that's that guy he's not this aloof teenager that just like goes and plays basketball in video games and nothing else right he's not detached yeah. right he's not i don't want to i don't wanna, i was gonna make the comparison to Lamelo because it seems like he's like a guy that no. that does that but that they're different guys um that luka Doncic was the guy to reach out to tyrell terry i think that's so important because he's the guy now making the first move it's not one of these role players, it's not JJ Barea, it's not Dwight Powell, you know, the guys that have been there the longest. Yeah. It's Luca, the best player on the team, fourth in MVP voting, reaching out to the second round pick. 
Like that yeah. is leadership right there. And I think that's so important. I think that's so great. I think that Luca is, uh, he's, he's growing up in front of us, Isaac. And I'm just so proud of it. I love it. I mean, it's just like <laughs> his third year in the league and he's, I mean, he's reaching out to, um, uh, you know, the 31st pick in the draft and sending him a message and welcome into the city and all this stuff. And I, heck yeah. It's a it's small thing, favorite. but it matters. It does. It does. It, it matters a lot. Um, like we were talking about earlier, small, yeah, few, small things that matter. A few of the things that didn't make the piece that I'll share on the podcast. He's only been to Dallas one time in his life as an AAU trip. And uh, he's like, he's looking forward to the weather compared to Minneapolis. Um, he was 11 Was he playing with old. D1 Minnesota? Did he tell you? <laughs> no, no. Because no, I think I might have been there. I've seen him a couple times at Adidas Gauntlet when I used to, to work with a company called Hall Pass. Uh, I went to like three or four Adidas gauntlets and I'm pretty sure I saw him play with D1 Minnesota. I definitely saw him in New York, but I don't know if I saw him in Dallas. So I may have been there for that. He played, he played AU with uh, like Matthew Hurt and right, on D1 uh, Minnesota. Minaj. Yeah. Um, Zeke Naji, by just, the way, it's not. It's, Zeke, what did I say? <laughs> I said it wrong when I was talking to, to Ryan from the uh, <laughs> SB Nation, the Arizona guy. When we were talking about Josh Green, I said it wrong. It's Naji. Naji. I was okay. saying, I always said Naji, but it's not. Okay. Okay. Um, we talked about his like what he what he thinks about when I throw out like Mavericks because he was I was like, what do you remember about the title run? And I really <laughs> wanted to put this in the piece, but there's just never a spot for me to do it, and it makes sense. But he's like, I was 11 years old when when the Mavs won the title. <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't a big Mavericks fan, you know, being in, in Minnesota. He's like, I know it was a great run. I know they got past Kobe and be some other good teams as well. True. He said, obviously the super team in Miami in the Miami Heat at the end. True. I think it's I think he said I think it was incredible how everyone expected the Heat to win in their first year and the Mavericks went on this crazy run and beat the odds and won the title. True. Thank you. Thank you with that. But <laughs> also ask him about Dirk. And I was like, you know what? And he just gave all the great stuff about Dirk. He's like best international, one of the best international players play the game, best power forwards. Uh, one of the best. Um, he's like, you know, he says crazy watching him as a kid and how he got to his spots and his post game. He had the post fade was so unguardable. Um, true. I thought that was fun. One of the things that, um, his assistant coach told me two things. The assistant told me one asked about a comparison in the NBA and he told me CJ McCollum. And I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah. And he also said, uh, this is, uh, this is coach wall, burn brun, something like that. Well, brun, that's what it is. Um, but he said when, when Terry came in his freshman year, he approached the coaching staff about red shirting. Because he didn't think he was going to play very much. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, all right, well, maybe I should just redshirt. And he said the head coach, like, actually looked at him and was like, no, you're not going to redshirt. You're going to run our team. And we're going to put the ball in your hand. <laughs> and I don't know and if that's humility that was, or, <laughs> you know. I just thought that was, like, so, like, crazy that, I mean, he literally thought he could, he should redshirt. And that turned into him being a one-and-done college, you know, prospect. Like, and one of the first ones think, in Stanford, right? Yeah, and I think it's a testament to who he is. He's obviously looking forward to um, Dwight Powell, and he's like, I suspect Dwight Powell will look after me a little bit. So I think he's expecting <laughs> to be uh, Dwight's rook, uh, I guess, and uh, looking forward to that connection for sure. And uh, a Cuban actually called him a very cerebral player, and I, I didn't have a, piece, a place to put that in my piece, but I, I like that Cuban gave me that quote, and I thought that was a really uh, interesting 
because I haven't heard cerebral. I, I'm, we obviously relate him being like very smart off the court, but him talking about just being a very cerebral player on the court, uh, I thought that was interesting too. So. Yeah, great stuff. Go read the piece on Tyrell Terry. Uh, yeah, Mavs.com. It's all over my, it's on my Twitter and it's been cool seeing a lot of cool feedback on it today and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, we went on a real big tangent there, but coming up, we're going to get into Josh Richardson. We'll talk about him a little bit, his place on this team. Talk about some of the quotes from David Ramil's great story about him a couple years ago when he was on the heat. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac, let's talk a little bit about Josh Richardson, his role on the team, since he's going to be talking to the media. And then uh, we'll talk about him a little bit. But before we do, East meets West in Lockdown NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Lockdown Warriors. And our guy, David Ramil, host of Lockdown Heat. They tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day, coast to coast. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA Podcast wherever you get your pods. Always, always a spicy take on that pod. Wes Goldberg is maybe the best take artist on the network. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> he, he always has Warriors, something. Warriors beat writer, Wes Goldberg. Yeah, and I always disagree with something he says on every pod. So you know, you know, he's got some takes. Uh, Josh Richardson, I, I thought that I think since he's speaking to the media, I went back and read David Ramil's story, uh, and he had a couple of quotes from a teammate of his in college, and I thought they were kind of interesting to maybe give us an idea of of the player that Josh Richardson is. So we know he was the 40th pick in the you know in the draft when he came out. I think it was 2015 or, or you know something like that. And so he was a second round pick. He was not like this highly regarded player, not even coming out of college. He was not a highly regarded player. He kind of got a chance at at Tennessee. And uh, Jerome Maimon was a teammate of Josh Richardson's at Tennessee. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. He said, quote, Hmm. Josh couldn't make a shot when he first got to Tennessee. He had this hitch and he would tilt his head to the right or to the left and bring the ball up from his hip like a wind, like a wind up jumper. So kind of like Lonzo's almost. Uh, I was going to say, he still does it kind of sideways a little bit. It's gotten better, but yeah. it's still a little sideways. But he couldn't hit a shot at all when he got to college. He had teammates, Jarnell Stokes and Jordan McRae, who were NBA players. They were his teammates, and they were the guys that were scoring. So Josh Richardson focused on defense like, kind of hmm. the t- entire time they were there. And it wasn't until like midway through his sophomore year, then into his senior year, he was actually taking over. And so Maimon said, quote, by midway through his sophomore year, he started developing a legit offensive game. By senior year, he was really polishing up his offensive abilities. He put in the work on his own and gave him confidence of seeing himself grow as a shooter. He would stay late after practice, come in early the next day, whatever the case, whatever it took, he could accomplish anything he puts his mind to. I just like that the Mavericks got another like hardworking guy that's going to come in and do whatever it takes to become, you know, a really good player in this league and has he he started as a player in college, couldn't hit a shot. And now he's known as a solid three point shooter in the NBA. I think that that's just that's so incredible. It's something that, you know, the Mavericks definitely put an emphasis on of getting guys like that. Yeah. And I, I want us to it kind of like how we kind of view Tim Hardaway. I think Tim Hardaway kind of gives us a perspective to at least. Let me say this with Tim. When he came in, a lot of things we talked about was the road that he took before he got to Dallas and the weird spots he was at. And it's like, all right, look at these stats. Look how inefficient and all the stuff in New York or whatever. And we like to look at his Atlanta days where he played on that playoff team. And he was on those good teams with Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Coach Bud and all that stuff. And he had a defined role. Same thing with Josh Richardson. Let's take it with a grain of salt a little bit with what happened in Philly. And look at how his role can look different in Dallas because I know some people are like, oh man, look at in, in Philly, look at his numbers, look at that fit. Is it that is that just who he is? 
I just want to say, hey, we kind of did that with Tim Hardaway. Now, I think he has a much higher approval rating coming into Dallas than Tim Hardaway Jr. did Mm -hmm. uh, among fans because a lot of fans were like, oh, this is a deadweight contract, and now he's a starter, and I I think you know he he had a great season last year. But still, I think Josh Richardson could have some of his best shooting numbers and everything this year in Dallas. Absolutely. I think... You know, Ben Simmons is a good playmaker, but I don't think he's played with Josh Richardson played with the playmaker like Luca. And even yeah. Josh Richardson last year, his three point numbers were down. I mean, if you look at his catch and shoot numbers, he shot thirty four point six percent on three point four, you know, catch and shoot three point attempts per game in Philadelphia. So thirty four point six percent in Miami. The two years before that, he shot thirty eight and a half and thirty eight point eight percent the two years before that on catch and shoot three. So he shot better in Miami in that ball, you know, movement kind of system yeah. than he did. Uh, and he was playing with a with a you know an all star Goran Dragic at that point. Um, sure. You know, in Miami. So an, a Slovenian connection, maybe between Josh Richardson and, you know, Goran <laughs> and now Josh Richardson and Luca. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that he's going to be I think it's going to be, you know, a really great spot for him. If we want to look back at some of the situations he's been in. So in Miami, he was kind of going to be this next up and coming guy. I kind of view him as like Dennis, like Dennis Smith Jr. When he mm-hmm. was in Miami, because he was. The one guy that the team was going to start trying to build around, he was playing pretty well. If Dennis had stayed a couple years and he had become like this rising guy for the Mavericks, it kind of would have been like that. And then all of a sudden he goes to this team where he just kind of doesn't fit. He should kind of fit, but the the rest of the pieces just don't fit. Because don't don't forget, it's not just Embiid and Simmons that were in Philadelphia that year. He got traded, yeah. and then you know they had Tobias Harris and Al Horford as well. So they had this crazy team where they didn't have like any shooting except for him. And, you know, it's just this, this really they had Matisse Tybel as well, not a shooter, you know, and so they didn't have any backup guards like Shake Milton was starting a bunch of games for them. He was kind of rising for them. So that Philadelphia team was all kinds of messed up. And Daryl Morey goes in there and completely changes the team with a couple trades. And I think that tells you all you need to know about, you know, what was going on in Philadelphia as far yeah. as fit and all that. So, well, like spacing, I mean, right. You, you, when, <laughs> I mean, you see an offense and you see a player work with space compared to when you don't have space. It just does wonders for a team. Now he's going to go into a system in Dallas to where for a lot of the lineups that he plays in, everybody around him is going to be able to hit an open three. So it's going to give him a little bit more space to work too. open lanes, driving some that to where, you know, envision in Philly. If Ben Simmons, if he has the ball, well, guess who you know people are helping off of Ben Simmons. Probably even Joel Embiid if he's out on the perimeter. So that's where, you know, Porzingis, Luca, Tim Hardaway, you know, Tyrell Terry, these guys that can hit open shots, it's going to give him space too. Absolutely. So that's what we're looking forward to. We'll know more from about Josh Richardson when he talks to the media. We'll have audio from him and Luca and Carlisle on tomorrow's show. But guys, Media Week is here. That means we're getting close. We're getting so close to Mavs basketball. I'm excited to watch it come back. And uh, we'll be back. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Fellas, we're broken. We need to change. And look, I know change can be scary. One minute, you're playing freeze tag out there at recess with all your buddies. Next thing you know, you're getting zits, your voice gets low. And every time your art teacher, Miss Scanlon, leans over your desk to check and see how your project's going, you feel all squiggly inside. She was a striking woman. Not classically beautiful, but striking. First time I ever saw tan lines. Most of the time, change is a good thing. I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change. Being brave. Doing 
whatever you have to so that everyone in your life can move forward with theirs. Because maybe it's the only way you can truly help her be happy. Obviously, by her, I'm referring to Lady Football. 